Episode 4, Never Waste a Crisis, an audio cast by SamLoose.com. Machiavelli infamously first said, Never waste an opportunity offered by a good crisis. In the modern era, this sentiment has wrongfully been attributed to Winston Churchill, as I actually had done the first time I posted this blog post I'm reposting. It was Rahm Emanuel who actually popularized Machiavelli for this generation by saying this, You never want a serious crisis to go to waste, he said. Why? Because it's an opportunity to do things you couldn't do before. It was during the economic crisis of 2008 that Emmanuel and his cohorts used the cover of the crisis to deepen their hold in our republic. But they're not alone. This isn't just a democratic problem. It's a human problem. Republicans and Democrats differ on many things. But one thing they both agree on is more power and more influence is better than less. A crisis, therefore, allows politicians to consolidate power and expand influence, to use their strength to grow stronger by preying on the weakness of others. A crisis is an opportunity for them to boast in their strength. For Christians, the idea of not wasting a crisis is altogether different. Rather than projecting strength at the expense of others, you boast in your weakness. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that Christians, servants of God, we must commend ourselves not to our own self-confidence, not to our own success, but actually in our weakness. 2 Corinthians 6, 2-10 says this, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so no, one may f- no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, and genuine love, by truthful speech, the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors yet are true, as unknown yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. R. Kent Hughes in his brilliant commentary on the Corinthians, explains how as Christians we are never to let a good crisis go to waste. He says, No sorrow, no disappointment, however severe, could ever interrupt, let alone extinguish, the joy of his salvation with its vision of unclouded glory to come. For this glory was founded upon the the sovereign supremacy of God who overrules all things and causes them to work together for our good to those he has called. The problem is that we so often forget that our job as Christians is not to consolidate power and build our kingdom so that we can slap a Caleb bumper sticker on it. When crisis comes for us as Christians, it is not an occasion for us to consolidate power. It is an opportunity for us to press into our weakness. Because it is in our weakness that God's strength is never so clearly seen in our lives. Culture has fed the church this lie that the stronger that we become, the more influence we have. The Bible teaches the exact opposite. Actually, the weaker that we are, the more clearly Christ is seen and others can see Christ in us. What makes Jesus famous is not our little victories, but by pressing into Christ when we have nothing left, when all feels lost. Endurance in the face of difficulty is a virtue and a grace that is mocked more than celebrated in our culture today. It is looked at by Christians and non-Christians alike as weakness. 
There are many well-meaning people preaching another gospel, one of ease and of happiness. Our culture is chasing its desires of pleasure into the grave. What people miss in chasing happiness is actual joy, true joy, life-altering, life-sustaining joy, a joy that is paradoxical, a joy that is marked by suffering but not marred by sorrow. R. Kent Hughes says this about Paul in his commentary on 2 Corinthians. In point of fact, Paul's sufferings did not disqualify him. Rather, they prove the authenticity of his faith and commitment. The fact that he did not quit or curse God for his miseries, as so many had done, but he endured, testified to the, genuine, the genuineness of his faith. In fact, his endurance declared that the gospel is true and Jesus is worth it. And this is what endurance does. And this is what we do in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of calamities, in the midst of a crisis. Christians endure. Because our endurance declares that the gospel is true and Jesus is worth it. The reason why I uh, re-released this post was because it was brought to my attention that I misattributed a quote to Winston Churchill uh, that I looked up on the internet, but I didn't find the exact source for, and I should have. And in looking for that source, I couldn't find it, and I therefore misattributed it, and I am wanted to correct that and make sure that I didn't do that, um, misattribute it. So, but in reading, but in doing that, I started reading it, and I read this article, and it really was helpful to me, um, and it was a great reminder for me um, in our particular cultural moment that we need to, in the midst of crisis as a country, uh, and as a as a nation, and and even in our, you know, in our world, we need to make sure that we view crises very differently. They don't use these as opportunities to strengthen our position, but that we use them as reminders of the weakness of our position and the strength of Christ that we put our hope in. Because anything we put our hope in that's other than Christ will ultimately crumble, and will lead to greater crises. But when we put our hope, when we boast in our strength, what we're saying is this, is my hope is in the strength that God provides through Christ. There's a couple things that stand out to me in this blog post that stood out to me as I was reading it. Uh, one was this, was this, is that um, I think in America we have been, uh, it, takes, it takes crises to wake us up from the way that we have been complicit with culture. It takes a crisis to wake us up to realize, hey, we're saying the same things everyone else is saying, and it is producing in us the same amount of fear and the same amount of dread as everybody else is experiencing because we're preaching the same gospel they're preaching. And when I read this article, I, was remi- I reminded myself that says this, the Bible teaches the weaker that we are, the more clearly others can see Christ in us. What makes Jesus famous is not our little victories, but pressing into Christ when we have nothing left. See, that's what makes, what makes Jesus famous. In when the Cyprian plague took place in Rome, this is, this is how Christians became famous, actually. It wasn't because, of, wasn't because of Constantine. It was because when everybody else was running away from the plague, Christians ran to it. And see, that's the difference, because that's the difference, because they had been, they, were, they, they understood that their, their lot in life wasn't by preserving themselves. It was modeling Christ because they were running to the poor, to the weak, to the, to the hurting because that's what Christ had done for them. And see, this is, that's what makes Jesus famous. It's not, it's not consolidating power and having 
the biggest church, having the most viewers, having the most likes. What makes Jesus famous is not is pressing into our weaknesses when we have nothing left, when all feels when all feels lost, and to say, Jesus, you're my hope, you're my joy, you're my life. And it's that endurance. It's that endurance. It's patiently enduring. It's that over and over practicing trust in such a way that that our sorrows don't disqualify us, but they actually reveal to others that Christ, a power that comes only from Christ. It doesn't come from my ability. Like my natural inclination in crisis is to, is to freak out. But by the grace of God, I see beyond the crisis to that which, and take a hold of that which is greater than that, that this world is not our home. This world is not our home. In effect, so this is what this is what he says, you know, or Kent Hughes says, and I and I love it, I say this all the time, and I say it to myself, endurance in the midst of trials proves the gospel is true and Jesus is worth it. And this is what we have to remind ourselves, that how we react in the midst of trials is evidence of do we really believe the gospel? Is the gospel true? And if it's true, applied to our lives, it should produce a different reality for us. Should we be cautious in the midst of crisis? And yeah, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be foolhardy, but we all should, shouldn't be fearful. And, and the reason why we can uh, avoid that type of fear is if we preach to ourselves the gospel. If we apply it to our lives every single day, what happens is we prove that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth the discomfort, the pain, the sorrow that I'm facing because that is the, he is my joy, he is my hope, he is my life. Another thing I found uh, super helpful was uh, in reading an article uh, in Table Talk by Ed Welch. He said this, he said, um, he's talking about fear. He said, we might wish all of our fears to go away, but our fears, of course, are not, not all bad. The greatest good is that they remind us that we are small and that we need Jesus. And I think that is so powerful, you know, because we think that uh, the Christian life is marked by um, absolute and complete fearlessness. But the reality is, is that fear, our fears remind us that we are small. And what they do is they push us to God who is bigger and stronger and greater. So this is what makes us different. This is what makes Jesus famous. It is not our strength, not our relentless projection of strength, not the fact of how many celebrities come to our church. What makes Jesus famous is that we say, man, I'm scared just like you but I'm running to Jesus as fast as I can, as hard as I can, and with every breath that I have. Another thing, uh, reading from that same article, this is what Ed Welsh said. He said another thing. He said this. Among our ever-expanding troubles, fear and anxiety have pride of place. They're quintessential human issues. They are not so much problems that occasionally seize us. They are regular features of our daily lives that can either quiet, be quietly in the background or loud and dominating in the foreground. In this era... They come attached to our humanity. They say that we are powerless and weak, that there are troubles ahead, that things we cherished are at risk, and there is not much we can do about it. And they are correct. Their specific predictions are often off, and they don't tell the whole story, but they are correct. In this world, we and the people that we love will know trouble. But the next part of that verse says this, but behold, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world, and that's where our confidence lies, in that reality. 
that Jesus has overcome the world and we can have total confidence and total peace, even in the midst of being afraid.